The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Are you the gatekeeper? Are you the gut master? Hey kids, Kevin Goatee here, gutting the sacred cow. What else can I say except, man, this is a good episode. Race to Canis, our pal from Who Would Win, rejoins us, but this time in the co-host chair, Ray from, of course, Transformers and Highlander episodes, sits in the co-host chair and we welcome John DeVore, who has the temerity to go and pick probably one of the top 10 most beloved acclaimed films of all time, Apocalypse Now. Do we discuss Colonel Kilgore? You better believe it. Before we get into it, hey, go to guttingthesacredcow.com, grab some merch, and why not head on over to our Patreon account, patreon.com slash guttingthesacredcow, where for just five bucks a month, you can hear my thoughts on what movies I've seen, things that are coming out, movie news, quotes, the usual stuff. And guttingthesacredcow at gmail.com if you want to advertise with us, which we hope you do. Without any further ado, here's John DeVore and Race Decanus and myself doing Apocalypse Now. Gather round, here's what I know. It's just that this cow has got to go. I know some people kind of like it, yeah, it's training right now. Yeah, it doesn't matter because we're good in the sacred cow. Steve Madden. Race to Canis, name that film. Steve Madden. Well, I, I gave you the in, I gave the intonation of that too. I will add. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, the only thing I would get from that intonation is old school. Um, but that can't be right. But if it is, I got it. It's not, and you're wrong. I got it. <laughs> that film I, I, our guest today, John DeVore. John, how Hi. are you today, sir? Good. Do you have any idea what that film is from? No. That would be Wolf of Wall Street, where they are oh. both beaked out on uh, right. on Quaalude. Steve Madden. You know, I don't watch nature documentaries, so I just missed out on that one, unfortunately. Oh, look at you throwing them out there already. Darts, baby. Darts. Kevin Goatee, Race to Canis, sitting in as guest host on this episode of Gutting the Sacred Cow. How are you, everyone? Hope you are enjoying fantastic episodes like The Exorcist, like The Natural, like Elf, like Beverly Hills Cop, you name it, we're doing it. This show knows no boundaries. Ray is our buddy from the Who Would Win show. He's going to graciously sit in as co-host. Ray, pal, how you feeling? I'm feeling great. I just got to watch this 1970s movie called Apocalypse Now with 
an open mind because I am prepared to hear what our special guest today has to say about it. Uh, I will say, and I do want to mention this right off the top because I will forget otherwise, in the Speed episode with Executive VP of Who Would Win, Brent Pope, there was a, a quote about Keanu Reeves and nobody knew what was going on. Uh, in that particular quote, question, et cetera. And I'm here to tell you what was going on because I'm, this is great follow-up material in the month after that episode aired. (laughs) And so y'all been waiting because you did not know Keanu Reeves uh, was a co-star of a video game called cyberpunk 2077. Yes. And he went to E3. Nobody knew he was there. The E3 is a video game conference here in Los Angeles appeared on stage for that game. And then I forget the exact specific quote from the show, but that's exactly what he called the audience when he was out on stage and was overwhelmed and also clearly had no idea what the game even was, nor did he care. But he was having a good time smiling with all of the youngsters enjoying video game life. So when that thing came out on the Speed episode, nobody knew what they were talking about. That's what they were talking about. Yes, you come for gutting the sacred cow for great movies. And at the end of the day, you stay to get stuff explained to you a month later. Aren't we glad we heard Ray go on a five-minute diatribe about a video game that gloriously tanked in its technicality as well as sales? It was not very good. I've heard. That's why I didn't buy it. We don't give a shit about that. John DeVore here as, <laughs> as Ray. <laughs> as Ray has let the cat out of the bag because that's my fucking department and telling us that John DeVore has selected the 1979 film Apocalypse Now. But I, I still love, I love Ray's tenacity. I love Ray's aggressiveness, his excitedness, everything about Ray we love except for him being wrong all the time, which always cracks us up. How dare you? Which is true in gospel. John has chosen Apocalypse Now, which at the time in 1979 had a budget of $31 million. A lot of schkatarol, as the uh, as the Asian folks say. A box office release, a box office, uh, bo- excuse me, haul of $78.7 million. Now, I did not account for the re-release because that's cheating. We don't do that. So let's take the 2022 money and put it in the old Googs. And what do we have here? $31 million just became, in 2022 money, $31 million in 1979 is worth a robust $124.8 million budget. Now, let's go for the box office gross, which is worth $78.7 million is worth $316.85 million. Get paid, Coppola. Yeah, well, when we're getting into it, you're going to appreciate why Ray said that even more. So, 1979, it's a lot of money. Now, as we all know, folks, IMDb is a scale 1 through 10 with decimal points. John DeVore, what do you think that Apocalypse Now scored in the old IMDb? On the old IMDb, on Rotten Tomatoes, it's like 98%. So, I'm going to say it's the highest possible rating on IMDb. So, you're saying a perfect 10? I'm going to say it's like nine, eight or nine on IMDb. Sure. Race to Canis. I mean, it's it's going to be high. I was going to say nine, six because you got haters. Eight, five. That's crazy. Wow. Okay. Critics Rotten Tomatoes score. Race to Canis. Carry to make a guess. Yeah, let's go 10. Let's just go 10. 100? Let's say 10. You're going to say 100. 10, 100. Yes. That's right. 
John DeVore, Critics Rotten Tomato score? Yeah, well, I already know the answer to that, so that's uh, 98%. <laughs> I was hoping Ray was paying attention, but he wasn't. He was not. Clearly, uh, I'm getting the vibe here. Ray's not listening to me. No. Asking okay, if Ray's right. paying attention during a show, you already know the answer is no. 98% on the nose. John, please don't yeah. tell me you paid attention to the audience Rotten Tomato score, You know did what? You? I didn't. It's in the 90s. That's well, Ray Sicanis, that's for you to judge while you're drinking Pepsi sugar-free. Ooh, Pepsi One. The yuck. best kind. Stop it. Coke Zero every day, all day. Ray Sicanis, yeah. what did the audience give? It's, it's again, going to be pretty high. I'll just go 96. 96. John, do you have a, a guess? Yeah, I just said sometime, somewhere in the 90s. Okay, how about a little more specific? Uh, 95. 94! Oh, there it is. Someone gets two showcases. Quotes? Charlie, don't surf. The obvious. And, of course, the infamous, what do you know about surfing? You're from goddamn New Jersey. And as someone from Jersey, we do take pleasure in our six-foot waves that come across the shore. Race the Canis, how about any quotes from you? You know, those two I definitely had written down. I was keeping a running tally. Some of my favorites, um, just to write off the bat, Saigon. Shit. <laughs> Think about that a lot. Uh, terminate with extreme prejudice. Right. Uh, very popular line. Uh, charging a man with murder in this place like giving speeding tickets at the Indy 500. Good one. Uh, don't look at the camera. Just go by like you're fighting. Makes me laugh. I think about that more often than I should. Uh, let's see here. Do-do-do. How come y'all guys all sit in your helmets so we don't get our balls blown off ah. again? Mm, and then, uh, of course, the the two big ones. Uh, I love the smell of napalm in the morning. Obviously. And you're the in the asshole of the world, Captain. Oh, my Lord. A lot of This is a very quotable movie. See, I didn't think so. I thought besides, and, I, and the obvious one I left on the table for you, the napalm, I thought though that was pretty much it. Maybe a couple other ones like, all right, I get it, but not like the the hammer ones. Hey, John, how about you? Any quotes? Do we leave anything on the bone for you, uh, sir? My favorite is, uh, what the hell do you know about surfing, Major? You're from New Jersey. I just said that, but okay. Good one. Good one. <laughs> I love it, too. Uh, five fun facts. Five fun facts. Five fun facts for you right now. It's time for five fun more facts. Five fun facts for you right now. Want to take a guess who dropped out to do this film, but instead decided to do a, I don't know, one of the biggest blockbusters of all time? Who's dropped out of this film? Sir Alec Guinness. No, no, director. I, excuse me. I should have. I should have. Oh, I, who I, directed? I directed. No I, th- I thought I said directed. Excuse me. Director dropped out and made one of the biggest films of all time. Sir Alec Guinness. <laughs> Survey eh. didn't make the board. Uh, no, sir. No, no. Steve Harvey would admonish you with one of those. Mm-hmmms. No, see, for a second there, I thought you were going to say it was Steve Harvey. And that would have been that would have been a fun fact. Yeah, you know, I'm sorry. It was his cousin, PJ Harvey. Any other uh, <laughs> any other guesses who I mean, Steven Spielberg would be an obvious choice. Yeah, uh, that'd be the only one I would go with. Well, you're. One. Yeah, it is, but it's not the one. George Lucas dropped out to direct Star Wars because this thing sat in post-production for two years. That's why the math does add up. And and do you know why George Lucas did Star Wars instead of this? Uh, Sir Alec Guinness. <laughs> Callback. You rascally son of a bitch. How about you boys take a guess on who was the first actor that was was chosen to play Willard but was not, and I'll get into it why. I'll give a hint. A Scorsese favorite. Harvey Keitel. Bingo. That was good. Yeah, that's it. On the money, John. 
which is fun fact number two. Fun fact number three. Harvey Keitel. <laughs> no, it's Alec Guinness. Sir. Coppola held exhaustive audition sessions for his primary cast, but the part of Willard proved to be a problematic one. He first offered it to Steve McQueen, who then turned it down because he did not want to shoot in the jungle on location. Now, I tell you what, three more huge names, and then Keitel was fired six weeks into production. Do you want to take a guess on who these three actors who turned down the role? Huge in the Richard, 70s. Go ahead. Richard Dreyfus. No. Charles oh. Bronson. <laughs> Wouldn't the world have been a better place? No, sir. Great movie. And who could blame Steve McQueen after well, you know, what happened to Martin Sheen during filming? Right. Steve McQueen was right, just for the record. Yeah. He said, I'll let cancer take me out. Not this, you know, <laughs> not this ballyhooed journey down hellhole. Any guesses? Three names. Huge in the 70s. Huge. Huge. One baby. No, sir. Mm. Yeah, other than Sean Connery. Uh, that'd be my only other guess. Al Pacino. Huge. I mean, with the whole Coppola, I thought one of you would have got that. James Caan, possibly. Oh, sure. sure. And Jack Nicholson. Hey. That's a very different movie if Jack Nicholson. It is a completely is different Willard. movie if Jack Nicholson is Willard. Coppola fired Keitel six weeks into production because he thought the actor's performance was not as introspective as he needed for his character. So he called Martin Sheen, who had previously auditioned for Michael Corleone. And passed on a po- and passed initially on Apocalypse Now because he was shooting the Cassandra Crossing in Rome. Never heard of it. Oh, the legendary Cassandra Crossing. Who could forget that time we all saw Cassandra Cross? Yeah. That sounds almost like a, por- that, like a like a reel-to-reel porn in the 70s. I think we're coming up on the 50th anniversary of the Cassandra Crossing. I believe we are. I think next time I'm coming on the show, I'm bringing Cassandra Crossing. Let's Can do you, it. You can't, you can't gut that. You, you yeah, cannot. It's, it's uncuttable. Untouchable it's, a, it's an unguttable classic. It is the, the cornerstone of American cinema. If Die Hard and The Matrix and Star Wars and Godfather 2 face scrutiny, I think the Cassandra Crossing... Still is impervious. Ah! Thank you. Thank you. What a U-turn I pulled. I'm sorry. Now Can... I have to know what the hell that even is. <laughs> Can you oh, imagine if... Terrorists, terrorists had planted a deadly virus on a train. Oh. That sounds like a perfect movie. Kind of like Train yeah, Busan, with, but with less Koreans. <laughs> I'll note that. Can you imagine Harvey Keitel in this film? Hmm, Charlie. Fucking Charlie Chan. All right, give me that book. Little Reservoir Dogs for you. Number four... Francis Ford Coppola, how much money do you think he invested of his own money into this film to get it executed? Now, I happen to, I, I don't have the exact number, but I know that it was a huge percentage of the, you said 30, what, $30 million of a, a budget, uh, which means he probably invested about, about $50 million. He invested, uh, go ahead, John. No, I just know that he, he mortgaged his house. $30 million yeah. out of a $31 million yeah, budget. It was so, almost the whole thing. Way to pony up. I forgot who the studio was. Was this Universal? I forgot. Uh, and you're right, John. This included the total valuations of his house, his winery, which he signed over to Chase Bank as collateral on the amount. The interest rate for the amount began at 7%. But when production <laughs> ended, ended up at 29% interest. <laughs> if the movie tanked, Coppola faced financial ruin, which of course made the under the film process fairly stressful. Coppola suffered an epileptic seizure while shooting, had a nervous breakdown, and committed to th- st- and co- allegedly threatened to commit suicide not once, not twice, but thrice. 
Thrice. Number I not I not, not thrice not used enough, right? Not fit enough. No. Thank high you. quality a, use of thrice there. I was just gonna enjoy the moment. It That's is cool. uh, it's a real pleasure. Thank you. Let's enjoy it. Let it roll down your back, your leg, and we'll yeah. just move along. Marlon wow. Brando. Wow. Yeah, that's a. I know it's a. It's a wow. Juicy, it's this, juicy that's metaphor. This, that's this kind of podcast. I get it. I sometimes, it sometimes, okay. sometimes, sometimes, we, sometimes we involve a little Randy talk. If you know what I'm talking about. Uh, if you smell no. the rock is cooking. Marlon Brando, who previously won an Oscar as Vito Corleone. Showed up on Corleone, location. Corleone. No, Corleone. Corleone. Yeah, Thank I don't know you. why I read, read that one. I don't that know was, why either. Showed up. We're getting spicy here. Showed up on location. <laughs> Showed up on location weighing over 300 pounds. All of his costumes had to be scrapped because Coppola expected the actor to show up astute. And as a fit Green Beret soldier, this forced Coppola to have to come up with a way to shoot around Brando's weight. So he and cinematographer Vittorio Storaro thought of shooting him in the shadows and silhouettes to make his character seem more mysterious. Love it. So that's what it was. That's kind of what Spielberg did with Jaws. Whoops, shit, Jark doesn't work. First person. <laughs> but now we have a morbidly obese man on set. Whoops. Let's throw him in the shadows, yeah, make him look a little. The problem is that one of those two is uh, uh, an overly large thing that flops, and the other one is Jaws. Thank Zing. You. And this is where Ray goes. Waka, waka, waka. Burning flame. So. It's now time for our, our fans to get out on the fun and ask a gutter. Ask a gutter. You gotta ask a gutter. A courtesy Brandon Oglesby at Newark Night. Do you think Apocalypse Now should have stuck to the original war in the Congo or Vietnam? That is a great question. I saw that on Twitter when you put the call out. Um, it's actually a really interesting question, and it's one of the reasons I think Apocalypse Now is garbage. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, because those fancy boy film school boy, you know, uh, guys, um, <laughs> they went to, you fancy know, they basically, they basically wore Vietnam like a costume, right? I mean, Apocalypse Now doesn't have any uh, real, authentic, genuine commentary about the Vietnam War. It's basically just aesthetic. And why I think they should have. I would love to see uh, Heart of Darkness shot with that same intensity in, like, what is it, 19th century Congo, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and address uh, the colonialism, which Conrad sort of flirts with in the book, that Coppola completely ignores. Uh, Coppola... His main statement, Apocalypse Now, is war is hell, which it is. You know, that, that's a, that is a universal, profound human statement. Humans do not learn that. Um, but it is still kind of a facile sort of statement, especially since uh, he, you know, he basically exploited Vietnam to make this movie. Um, uh, I like that question because it really does get to uh, the thing that annoys me about the movie is that it's not actually a movie about Vietnam. Excellent. Uh, not in the way that other better movies are. Um, you know, Full Metal Jacket, Platoon, most specifically, even a movie like um, We Were uh, Soldiers, First, First Blood, uh, uh, it, which is a phenomenal movie that should be rewatched. It's a deeply political movie, and it's very much a movie about veterans and trauma in Vietnam and America in the late 70s. No, it is. Yeah, I really think of when I think of one movie that to me encapsulates the fighting in Vietnam, it's obviously Predator. <laughs> I, 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 but let me look look Pre- predator uh uh references visually 
uh, jungle warfare in Vietnam. And you have to imagine that these dudes cut their teeth in Vietnam. Uh, but it's a monster movie. And it's a great monster movie. Apocalypse Now is pretentious and it's pretentious. Uh, uh, and disingenuous because it, it, it wants to be a movie about Vietnam, but it's not. Well, let's see if John can gut the sacred cow because you remember the old saying, Ray, if it bleeds, we can kill it. Second half of that question. Also, what war do you think has the best films made about it? Second half of Brandon's question. Uh, I, I mean, another phenomenon, another cliche, another great uh, question. Uh, you know, I would say in American cinema, uh, there's two basic war movie genres and then uh smaller ones right there's the world war ii picture and mm-hmm. then there's the anti-world war ii picture which i think is the vietnam war movie right a vietnam a movie about vietnam is about all the complexities of war it's sometimes anti-authority um i, I guess it just depends how what you think the genre is supposed to do criticize war or uh elevate valor mm-hmm. you know uh uh uh, you know, and of course, there's World War One movies. You know, um, uh, 1917, yeah, Pass of Glory. You know, and that was a very ugly war. And and obviously, uh, America has had trouble creating stories about the wars in the Middle East. I think the best one would be Three Kings, and that's a movie from the late 90s. Uh, I, I don't know what the best movie about the war on terror is per se. You know, uh, yeah, I would Zero say Dark you got to put. I, her Black locker is down. I would say her locker. Yeah, okay, yeah, her locker definitely in the mix. And, and, and I think I think her locker is on the high end of that. But but those movies are also I think more analogous to um, Vietnam movies, right? Very much that, so. Mm-hmm. You know, in terms of they're critical of policies and they try and show the horror of uh, of combat. Um, you know, I am a sucker for World War II movies, even though they are black and white. You know, my favorite being um, Fury. I don't know if you've, the if tank? you've seen it. Yeah, that the tank movie. I didn't catch that one. Is it good? Fucking phenomenal. Just got very under mean, very very under the radar. It's, it, it's 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 mean, it's nasty, it's really an ugly movie. Uh the violence is just is just grotesque. Um uh it's hilarious. Yeah, I gotta say oh. Dirty Dozen. Gotta okay. go with Dirty Dozen. Yeah. That's my personal favorite World War II movie. Uh going out there. If you haven't seen it, you know what? Go see it. Uh it's a it is it is a phenomenal yeah. movie. Lee Marvin. It inspired my favorite uh, Tarantino movie, which is Inglorious Bastards. That um, is your favorite Tarantino it is. film? It, and let me, wow. Let me tell you, I thought a lot about it over the years. It re- I, and look, I also loved, I think my second favorite has got to be Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I'm not going to lie. Mm. I fucking love that movie. I like it too, but second favorite's both I love it. I love it. I, it, is a, it, is, it is a love story. It, it, it ends with a, I, I just love that ending. Um, but in glory, yeah. So, and you came but, in on a horsey. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, love that I, I love it. You know, but war movies, you know, and of course also Starship, uh, Starship Troopers. I love Sarge Trooper. By the way, uh, it's a war movie. It's a war movie. Sure is. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, been done on our podcast by Ray's co-host, James Gavsey. Fun fact. And also Starship Troopers done on this very podcast. The correct answer is Pulp Fiction 1, Reservoir Dogs 2, and you guys can fight for the scraps from third. I say Django is three. I say Inglorious Bastards, a collection of five amazing scenes and a lot of filler in between. But that's a nice Is that the vibe? You oh, that's son it. of a bitch. Well, I also done his podcast, Inglorious Bastards and Pulp Fiction. Next question. Let's move things along. Who would rock the Lieutenant Kilgore's hat better, myself 
or Kevin Israel, but I'll, I'll allow Ray to jump in that and said, who would wear the Kilgore hat better, me or you? Uh, the answer is to me, uh, it's very obviously uh, Kevin Goatee would wear <laughs> the Kilgore hat the best because I could see those little straps just hanging down there underneath his chin. Yeah. Uh, and also because I'm much, uh, much taller than Kevin, the wind is a lot stronger and would blow the hat off of my head. Are you taller than six foot two? Easily. And what are you? Six four. Oh, that's not much taller. Uh, to Next. me, everyone under six four is very short. <laughs> Sounds like someone standing on phone books to make that proclamation. Next, uh, at Eric4953. Okay, decent movie, but would it be better if it were 45 minutes shorter? I, I don't think the length is the problem with Apocalypse Now. I'm not afraid of long movies I like. Uh, you know, if a, if a director has a statement to make, you know, like, uh, look, Apocalypse Now is a mess. Uh, it truly is. Uh, uh, but I, I don't think the flaw is the length. And I also don't, and I also push back on this kind of trend that movies should be only 90 minutes or, or should be super short. I, I, I don't agree with that. I fully agree with you 100%. And that's why I said we're not going to watch the Redux version because I don't want to give 45 more minutes of this no. film. So if somebody asked the question out there, what if it was 45 minutes longer? Yeah. <laughs> I see what you did I mean, here. I mean, the, the redo, which, by the way, is just a hopelessly pretentious way to repackage uh, a film. But the redo um, is is almost unwatchable. Um, uh, you know, I think that uh, two and a half hours, that's enough. At Rex Crumb, do you ever wonder if any proof Colonel, Colonel Kilgore had to support his belief that Charlie indeed did not surf? Look, there were only a few people surfing, uh, and mm -hmm. they were not uh, uh, Charlie. Charlie, man. Yeah. And also, Saigon, shit. Agreed. At Xyphos, there aren't any VC on the surf tour circuit, is my thought. More <laughs> more of a state but but all right yeah. follows up follows up <laughs> follows up with a, but sometimes that's what you want to have a statement now he follows yeah. up with a question my question is a simple one was willard a soldier doing a job like he claimed or was he really an errand boy sent by grocery clerks to collect the bill like kurt's claims yes <laughs> what an interesting question uh i mean first willard and kurtz are two sides of the same coin, right? The, you mm -hmm. know, um, uh, uh, but yeah, you know, Willard is not, is just, a, is an errand boy, but he's, he's always been that. He is an assassin. He is a, uh, uh, he is a spook who wears, uh, 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 army fatigues. He's, you know, CIA, but he's, he's just, uh, you know, just a janitor. Mm, at Katie Cohen, at Catherine Cohen, I don't have a question. I just think it's amazing that this is Lawrence Fishburne's first movie. That should be your first fun fact. Well, Katie, it's not. <laughs> but thanks for thanks for chiming it's, in as we love you. I mean, she, she's trying to help you, you know. I help myself. <laughs> uh, it's crazy when you look at this, though, because he's so he's so young and yeah. so skinny. And it's hard to remember that that is, in fact, Lawrence Fishburne, because we know him now, you know, from like The Matrix and so many other films. You know, he's just a deep cover. Person. And, John and Wick. He, he had a he had a he had his career is like, a, you know, like Robert Downey Jr.'s. Right. Like he had this. He came on strong and then drugs and Hollywood and he crapped out and his career went into the shitter. And then oh, what's the movie? Boys in the Hood. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, you know, he slowly climbs back up to legend status. But um, it is remarkable that this is his first, that he has that connection to, to this movie. 
he sorry about that fucking it's okay. so, yes i would agree with that it's all oh and then of course this question i actually wrote in my notes if not for ride of the valkyries what would have been a better song in the chopper Oh, I mean, the answer is obviously uh, Chicken Hunting by the Insane Clown Posse. <laughs> it's in here. It's in here. If you could see my green screen. I, mean, I, I, would, would, say, I would say ABBA's Dancing Queen. Mm-hmm. I have a few. How about, get, I, how, about the, how about Creeping Death by Metallica, Bullet by the Misfits, Run Him Up On You by House of Pain, or mm-hmm. just an easy one, the theme to Airwolf. Okay, now you're winning. You're same, that one. same. Yeah. Say that one for last. I didn't do the rule of three. I said, yeah, all of those I think are predictable. You need something like uh, Disco Duck. You need something disturbing. Oh, you need something upbeat. Oh, uh, how about Baby Shark? <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> yes. I would not want to hear that that to be the last thing I hear as an M60 turns me into ribbons. <laughs> People are begging for that before they say, please play Baby Shark just one more time. I, mean, I like how you're. Fair- t- I, I like how you're time jumping here, too. I am. If, if you were in a bunch of helicopters going over playing Baby Shark, there is a not 0% chance that the enemy just kills themselves. Or to start booging right in those rice patties. You never know. Could happen. That does it for Ask a Gutter, gentlemen. And our fans, thank you for your, for your attention. Ray, I think it's time to let John out of his uh, bamboo cage of that POW hellhole camp he calls Apocalypse Now. And let's have John come to... Guts, guts, the, the sacred <laughs> cow. Sacred cow. <laughs> You're just you guys, fucking you guys, with me. you guys couldn't even rehearse that, could you? This is Ray's first appearance in the co-host chair. He's just I trying want, to be awesome. Listen, it was I wanted awesome. it to be. How's he, do, how's he doing so far? About a two and a half, but there was room I there. wanted it to be authentic to the standard gutting the sacred cow experience. <laughs> no, Israel was not as lagging as you are in that sense. He was about a half second too late. Who cares? John, the floor is <laughs> yeah. yours. All right. So uh, I rewatched this as well, and I've watched this movie so many times. I've watched it sober. I've watched it out of my mind on LSD. Uh, I have watched Reed Um, You know, I, and so my criticism is going to be just a little bit a little high-minded, you know. Apocalypse Now is what I would call one of the three sacred douchebag film bro movies. Uh, and these are dudes, you or may or may not be familiar with them. Um, these are bros that love movies. And we've got Apocalypse Now. We've got, what, the Fight Club. We've got The Matrix. These are the three films that I think that most guys will all agree are fucking awesome. You forgot Step Brothers. You know what? That can form its own other triangle. Um, and look, I look. If you tell me your favorite movie, Step Brothers, it's not definitely not. Okay, great. Well, <laughs> but I would, I would, might be kinder to you than if you were like, if you were like, it's Apocalypse Now. Hmm. Um, this is a beloved movie, right? It's a beloved movie by critics. It's a beloved movie by dudes. Uh, you know, there was that documentary, Hearts to Darkness, uh, that showed its contentious filming it was crazy it took months and months to make martin sheen has a heart attack on set as you pointed out kevin uh francis ford coppola has almost has a mental breakdown dennis hopper's walking around hallucinating uh marlon brando doesn't give a shit uh, it's pure drama and then they make the movie and it's incredible um i have never really loved apocalypse now um uh, for both a visceral reason and a, fa- a film club reason, a film fan reason, you know, Apocalypse Now 
Have you ever heard of the movie Easy Rider, Raging Bulls? Of course. Right, right. I, I, I had just read that a couple years ago. And, you know, his theory is that the 70s golden age began with Easy Riders ends with Raging Bull. I think it was bookended by Coppola uh, with Godfather and then with Apocalypse Now. Godfather is an amazing work, uh, cool, atmospheric. Uh, it took a pulpy novel and turned it into Shakespeare, an incredible film. Fast forward seven, eight years, Apocalypse Now is a pretentious film school brat mess. It is all atmospheric, different tones, uh, and it is what it is, which is a bunch of millionaire hippies going into the jungle, pretending that they were in Nam uh, and losing their minds. Uh, uh, it, is, it, is, it is an inconsistent movie. Uh, and it is to me, uh, uh, like the, the, like the, one of the most unforgivably pretentious movies of that era. And that's, you know, so I'm, I'm going to claim that the seventies golden age ended with the excesses and self-indulgence of, of Coppola on Apocalypse Now. Um, uh, so, you know, it is not the perfect film. It is not a movie. It is a movie that should be watched and graded on a curve. Uh, guys who love it, I think you really have to ask yourself why you love it. What you love is that helicopter scene that's in the end of the first act, because it is thrilling, and it's great. And it's a time when a Hollywood set's like, you know what, let's find 15 helicopters, and let's put our stars in those helicopters, and let's fly around. You know, it's a great scene, but the movie itself is inauthentic. It's not genuine. It doesn't take any political risks. Uh, risks. Uh, it's basically like a Vietnam drag show. Uh, it wears the jungle like a costume. Um, I, 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 it really falls apart when you when you investigate it on that level. Um, uh, so that's my core sort of uh, sort of thesis about why you know it's just overrated. Um, and and and. What specifically makes it overrated in your book? This is why I'm going to try. To uh, because break because it's a collection of. Of, of images, it's a collection of atmospheres and tones stitched together uh, around this one heart of darkness narrative. And I just, I, I you know, it is not a, a complete and whole vision. Um, you know, Marlon Brando gets made fun of, but I think he might be the MVP in the movie because he shows up, uh, uh, you know, not giving a shit. And just, you know, being like, he gives a bizarre, weird performance. And I wish the movie actually had had more, a bit more of Brando's weirdness and less of uh, Coppola's literalism and sort of weird uh, fetish, you know, you know, for explosions, you know. Um, uh, But yeah, I just, it doesn't hold together in the way that I think people think it does. Okay. Fair point. How's that for a lot of? I mean, that's a that, that's an opening salvo. But can we drop some napalm on this baby? Let's see it. I've got more napalm. Um, uh, I mean, look, I, I I think that that is napalm enough. That uh, apocalypse now, you know, uh, in in Easy Riders, the thesis is that Lucas and Spielberg destroyed that era, but it was it was Apocalypse Now that destroyed the very personal era of filmmaking that the 70s was, you know, uh, uh, after Apocalypse, you know, it, it was not, in fact, Star Wars and summer blockbusters. Uh, it was that, you know, that era is the 70s is uh, you have these directors who are very personal, very auteur, you know, uh, auteur-esque or what if that's not a word. Um, and they. 
I, and it was a one, you know, I had the Hal Ashby's, Friedkin's. It was a wonderful era. Uh, Apocalypse Now really symbolizes their excesses. And that's the reason that era came to an end. That's the end of it. Uh, you know, and so uh, I, I question whether it should be as celebrated as it is, uh, because it really is just pure pretentious self-indulgence. Wow. Okay. Is that all? Anything else? I don't again. This is much I, I, time. Yeah, that's, I think that's that's what I got. Okay. All right. Now, you know, the- I, you know and, and look, I, you know, if you if you divide it up into pieces, there are wonderful moments. I guess you know, there's uh, the the jungle is well shot. Uh, uh, again, the helicopter scene is seminal. Um, Robert Duvall gives one of the great performances in Moviedom, um, but like that is a he's on screen for what. Not even 10 minutes? Yeah, I was just going to say 10. Exactly. You know, the one thing I did notice this last time is, you know, uh, 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 Willard talks about how uh, Kilgore looks like the sort of guy that cares about his boys. But that invasion, you know, like, is a slaughter. His boys are falling out of helicopters on fire. You know, two helicopters go down. Like, it's a – he's you know, he's – his side gets a lot of people die, and I, I, I it's an inc- that's an incredible sequence. I, it is, it, you know, but it's buried in this m- morass of uh, film school bullshit. I don't think he, I think he does care for them. Just because he's a shitty tactician doesn't mean he doesn't care for his guys. I think that's. I just would a, think. Uh, I would think. I would think caring for your boys would compel you to become a better tactician. I would, you would think, but also this, maybe he's just not that good. And it's like, hey, I care about my guys. He doesn't have the capacity to do that. Maybe he's just like a, you well, know, seat of my, seat of my pants kind of fella. I don't know. We're just, we're just look, talking amongst us guys here. I'll talk right now. I do think that he does care about his boys. At the yeah. same time, he understands the world and situation that he's in. And many of these people are just going to die randomly. And so if you notice during that sequence, while his people are getting blown up and shot up, he's too busy paying attention to the surf well, he, because he's he, trying very hard not to, not to look at that. Kilgore's insane. Right. You know, right. you know the the message of apocalypse now, like we like we mentioned with the with the questions, is war is hell. I, I have no problem with that message. It's a you know universal. Um, um, but but you know, Kilgore is is nuts. Everyone is insane in the jungle, with the exception of Chief. Right, and look what happens to him. Yeah, poor guy. Uh, John, give me a number one to ten. One to ten, what? Of uh, your thought on the film, I thought I only had to come up with bullet points. You do, but a skill, but a score is that nice little cherry on top. Oh, oh, one to ten. I thought you were like, give me ten more. No, reasons. no, no, like, no, no. One to ten. I thought I okay. Oh, one to ten. I mean, you know, uh, I, I I gotta give it. Now that I know too that it's so highly rated on IMDb uh, uh, and Rotten Tomatoes, I gotta say it's like a six. Coppola made three perfect movies, The Two Godfathers and The Conversation, mm-hmm. uh, with me, uh, with a special mention of Dracula, um, uh, a movie I love dearly. I think it's uh, great. Uh, but I think, I think those are three perfect movies. I love Dracula. Apocalypse Now, you know, it's, it's the helicopter and, and the doors. So for someone with so much visceral distaste it's only a six out of you i would expect that a four out of the way you're going but, I, you okay. know i gotta give it some look but it's we're talking about a movie that people rate as almost a 10 
I hear you. No, no. You can, the, over, the overrated card is definitely in effect from, I, I got that part. Okay. Six. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm going to let my bearded co-pilot on this one take the Ricky Henderson spot and bat lead off. So race the Canis. <laughs> Step up, pal. Let's talk about Apocalypse Now for just a moment, because the first things that really stood out to me upon this rewatch, and I haven't watched it in probably two decades. I watched it just like oh, a lot wow. of other people okay. in their 20s, uh, early 20s. You know, you watch it in, in film class, all that good stuff. And so I'm watching it with maybe the freshest eyes I could possibly have. And the first things that really stood out to me, we got great sound design and cinematography the images that you're seeing and the fact that they're kind of transposed on top of each other while the doors music is playing and the movie doesn't like doesn't force it makes you think about it by lingering in the moment and this is where i had a big thing where it's different because it is two and a half hours and it could be seen as slow by some people the batman is three hours and that's a movie that lingers right Mm -hmm. that's a movie that just hangs around for no good reason apocalypse now leaves you alone with your thoughts And some of those thoughts are going to get pretty dark and pretty severe because of what it's showing you on screen. And it's making you think about what you're watching. So I would argue that it definitely to that earlier question does not need to be 45 minutes uh, uh, quicker. I think it's the exact proper length that it should be for what it is trying to accomplish. Uh, One of the big stories about it, obviously, the effects of PTSD, which uh, were just starting to be talked about in popular culture. Rambo First Blood being, you know, obviously... One of the first examples I can remember that wanted to deal in the subject and that opening scene with Martin Sheen in the hotel room is just gripping. You don't know where it's going. There's no words being spoken. You're just watching him have problems with a ceiling fan of all things, triggering his uh, a, a helicopter, you know, uh, uh, crashes and explosions and everything. Amazing. And, and he really cuts himself in that scene, too. He actually yeah. cut himself up yeah. the mirror when he punched it. I was as I. As I was watching it, I thought to myself, if I remember right, that's real blood. He really punched himself. Good commitment, Martin Sheen. You were an incredible casting for this, even if you had a heart attack during filming. We never even talked about it at this point. Harrison bleeping Ford is in this movie. Oh, it's in here. Jones gives him the mission. Well, look, if you want to break the Harrison Ford news, you do not let me go first. I'm going to start there. (laughs) Uh, He's in the movie. He's fantastic. He's weird. He's weird in this movie with all the extra, uh, Eh, that's Harrison Ford's acting this movie in a nutshell. Normally, I would hate it, but I love it because it's, you know, let's face it. I got news for you, right? That's all, that was also his acting in Return of the Jedi because he mailed oh. that shit in in that one. Well, to be fair, if he mailed it, that in, what, what, what happened with him in episode seven? Oh, we don't speak about that. Yeah. 
There's a lot of sweat uh, in this movie. There is a heck of a lot of sweat in this movie. If you if you have a fetish for sweat, this is a movie that's going to keep you going for the entire two and a half hour runtime. I haven't seen this much sweat uh, uh, ever since my girlfriend in college asked me what all those straps were for. My point I'm trying to make was... <laughs> There's a lot of sweat in this movie, and I absolutely love Robert Duvall as Kilgore in this movie. I mean, everybody does. Like this, even our gutter said it's the most iconic scene of the movie. It's a fantastic sequence of events. I love the fact that every time an explosion goes off around him, everybody's ducking down, and he's just standing there straight up being like, ah, if it hits me, it hits me. It's not gonna because I work here. And I absolutely loved him. You know, he is cool and collected. He is as calm and cool as I would expect Mike Pence is following missionary sex. Um <laughs> I think Kilgore was the original. Well, he was obviously the pioneer. Then Wonder Woman copied the uh, the run through hell in the first Wonder Woman film where she did the same damn thing, but with not the much fanfare, nor as a cool character. Well, because Wonder Woman could get hit by those and be fine. <laughs> Let's just say that. Not as much drama when I know you cannot be hurt by simple explosions. Are we? Are we? Are we so, wait, I'm sorry. Are we, are we comparing K- Kilgore to Wonder Woman in this? Absolutely. For a brief okay, second, cool. yes. I just, uh, yeah, no, For I just wanted second. to make sure. Cool. I love it. I love it. I wish I'm so happy this movie was came out of what 1979 as opposed to say 1999 because it avoided any of the cheap ripoff uh, direct to video sequels. I pictured Apocalypse Now back to with the number two, The Jungle with a whole new cast. And I, it just would have been a different movie. Uh, let's see here. Starring Ice Cube. Starting it would 100% star Ice Cube, yeah, uh, okay. without any question. I'm you know, and speaking, uh, you know, uh, someone why even in this movie they kill the two black guys first. That doesn't seem right. That does our films, fair. war films. What's next? I mean, that's it. Like, I I did take note of it because what the heck? And Dennis Hopper being in this movie, you know, I, I loved his performance in this movie. This set the movie, you know, I mentioned Speed earlier. He's mm-hmm. playing the exact same character in Speed as he is playing in this movie. And he just Blue got Velvet. Back and couldn't handle it, you know. I love the fact that he's so Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> Not going to fight that even just a little bit. There is one part of the movie that I do have to knock it and, and absolutely knock it down for because the, uh, the main surfer character says he's from Ohio and they say uh, that the part of Ohio that he's from fell from heaven. And I'm sorry, I've been to Ohio. Mm. No part of that effing state fell from heaven. I no. can promise you that right now. I don't like it when a movie lies to me. Uh, Martin Sheen, I'll go back to him for just a second. <laughs> Uh, not only does Martin Sheen rock sweat for the entire movie, Martin Sheen rocks chest hair, the likes of which haven't been seen since Robin Williams and the Fisher King. This guy brings <laughs> the chest hair game on point. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, I would disagree with our gutter. You know, the, the definition of pretentious. The definition of pretentious is trying to appear better or more important than it really is. And yeah. given the fact that this movie ranks like 9.8 is taught in film school and is considered one of the most influential and important war movies of all time means that by its exact nature, it cannot be pretentious. Now, I, the argument that they don't have as much to say uh, as they think they oh, do. I, I think that's a fair point. I think that's a very fair point. But I, don't think, I don't think pretension is a matter of, of who appreciates a piece of art. It's, it was made of Coppola and his, you know, the, you know, it was even mocked at its time as being a movie that was, you know, a bunch of smart, like Hollywood types vacationing in the Philippines and making a movie about something they knew nothing about. Uh, you know, which was the Vietnam War at the time. And that was a very, con- you know, and that was a very a contentious thing at that era. These were people that did not fight in the war. 
that's, that's a very, very fair and, point. And, and, and it's a pretentious, that's a pretentious position in which to make your art. That's the thing, though, is is at the end of the day, it connected with people, because I feel that even if what you know what you're saying, even if we take it completely at its its face value, it's still a movie that was true enough and had enough true themes from life in it that Mm -hmm. people connected with the movie. So even if it it came about maybe by the wrong people is what I'm kind of hearing. It's still it still works. You know, that's the wrong people. Look, I I can never criticize whether a piece of art connects with people or it doesn't. It just does, you know. Um, um, so I would net, you know. So if you love Apocalypse Now, great. I love that you found something in that art that connected with you. Um, I, I just as I as I and I've, as I've watched it over the years, I just it just begins to fall apart compared to The Godfather. Which to I me mean, is- here's the deal. If you say it falls apart compared to The Godfather, you're talking about 99.9% of all well, cinema. Well, but this is the yeah. same filmmaker. This is the same. You know, I, I one thing I thought was interesting was that you know, Heart of Darkness is. A, a true uh, time-tested work of literature. It's a great book. Uh, the Godfather is a garbage book, and I found that really interesting. That wow, yeah, wow. I, the Godfather is a I'm, terrible I'm, book. I'm not, a, I'm not co-signing that, Tom Fuller. It's a terrible, pulpy book. It's written poorly, Man. and Coppola kind of transformed it into Shakespeare. Um, I don't think Coppola improved on Heart of Darkness. Welcome back to Gutting the Sacred Cow Literature Edition. We yeah. Really coming, up, wow. com- coming up next week, Steven Spielberg's Ready Player One versus the book. Oh. Right, so to, to, to wrap oh, up my sucks. thoughts on this right here, oh, you know, um, my, my last thought of the movie is, you know, they, they do they do tow away that cow in the helicopter uh, right. from the village. And I have a strong feeling that cow did not make it. He did mm-hmm. not see the end of the war. I'll just go ahead and put it out there, uh, whether I in real thought, life you know, or in one, fiction. One quick thing. I, did the, uh, I, I don't know this. I'd love anyone to, to tell me the provenance of it, but the, the butcher scene of the wildebeest or whatever. That's a real dead animal. Mm-hmm. But I'm just wondering if that B-roll, did they, did they, sh- did, did, I, I just wondered, did Coppola documentary style, you know, I, I'm just curious where that came from because you just don't see. I think that gets answered animals. in the documentary. Um, I, I, I think it was that. the caterer. I think the caterer was preparing <laughs> some prime rib and they just said, let's choose Shut this up. action. Really? You would no. have found out in the 45 minutes of Redux, guys. We would have watched that shit. We would That's have watched him. We, we would have watched him fricassee well, frick- that carcass. For well, Christ next week we'll, else. we'll, we'll gut <laughs> Apocalypse Now. We did. There we go. Uh, and so last thoughts, you mentioned the Holy Trinity of douchebag movies. It's crazy because I do I do think Apocalypse Now is an excellent movie. It, it, it spoke to me. It spoke to me again now, even with more clarity, even with more resonance than it did when I was much younger. I just understand things better now. The other two movies, Fight Club and The Matrix, I think are total dog shit, both of them. So it's very funny to hear you put. I was like, what are the I, other two he's going to put on there? And oddly enough, I hate both of them. I, I've just heard those three over the years. Just as, a, you know, oh, yes. like, you know, um, um, I, I agree. I you agree. Know. I agree. And, and, of, and of those three, of those three, Apocalypse Now, I think is not. You know, just different era. You know, uh, uh, yeah. Ugh. Well, I agree with two thirds of your statement, which makes it about a six point six seven, which is still higher than you rated Apocalypse Now. <laughs> um, at the end of the day, the last thing that I wrote on this entire thing was good effing luck telling me this movie was bad. Yeah, that Ray, was my you- final wrapping up thought. And you're number one to ten. Nine point eight. This is Whoa! one of this is one of the top ten uh, most important, impactful, well crafted movies of all time. Even after the gutting, and you know what? I knock it down point two uh, uh, from the ten. I probably would have said before you wow. did your gutting, I'm but I it. there's just too much there uh, for me to <clears throat> for me to. Re- I resonated with this movie more than I resonated with your points. I would say that. 
What did you like about it? What were you resonating with? <laughs> the whole the, the whole thing is, as I said right off the top, the sound design is masterclass. Okay, so so the it's, cinematography it's, 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 is masterclass. The emotions that it was making me feel, even now knowing, yeah, what no, was that's going what I'm happen. curious about. What were the emotions? Because yeah, look, is it a technical? Is, is the cinematography incredible? I mean. You know, when the when the napalm blows up in the it's amazing. But like, what were the emotions that stirred in you? You know, it was it was a lot of isolation. It was a lot of solitude. It was a lot of just I'm not safe here and wondering, even though I knew what was going to happen to these characters, it was still feeling for them and wanting them to be okay. But knowing deep down that even if they got out of this mess, they were not going to be okay. You get receipts. Nah, it's not bad. Okay. 9.75 and a 6. These notes brought to you by guttingthesacredcow.com. And of course, guttingthesacredcow at gmail.com. If you have not yet done so, for the love of Christ, leave us a five-star rating, two or three-sentence review on your podcast platform of choice. And while you're at it, go check out episodes that have been done, like the aforementioned Fight Club and the aforementioned Matrix. By the way, Fight Club is very overrated, but I love The Matrix, so you're both I not, wrong. I have not rewatched Fight Club since the late 90s. I did for this podcast, and my thoughts have remained the same. Notes, the opening scene of Napalming a Forest, by the way, was B-roll they used. And they said, this is great, let's use it at the top, and they did. I would love to napalm a little Caesar so Ray Stacanus is forced to try pizza that isn't a deep-frozen manila folder with tartar sauce on it. Those are fighting words, sir. Yeah, I know that. That's why I threw it in there at the top. <laughs> Is there any chance that Martin Sheen would have thought his son Charlie Sheen would end up on a bender as long as Colonel Kurtz went on? No one showed up to kill him. No. Life did, and he's fucking stood firm. Tiger blood, baby. If you hate the Doors or LSD, this film is not for you. (laughs) Ever break a mirror while doing uh, Tai Chi in your underwear? Nope, but I did leave a backpack in San Diego. I bet Ray breaks his fair share of mirrors after co-host James Gavsey dunks on him on who would win every week. <laughs> That's not why I break the mirrors, though. Kevin. <laughs> Harrison Ford gets a double-wide trailer as a CO. He should because he's a goddamn pilot of the Millennium Falcon. Colonel Kurtz is re- well. I'm passionate about Han Solo, just yeah, like Ray. Is. I think you have a lot of you have a lot of feelings inside. I mean, Empire and Star Wars. I'll we'll stand side by side and slay anybody. Has anyone has anyone gutted Empire? No, that is the one film that is left in the tr- the Star Wars the original that's not been done. We allowed one person to do the Last Jedi, but we all know that Look, sucks. It, yeah, it is. It's a great skit. Yeah, Empire. I would rate Last Jedi higher than our gutter rated Apocalypse Now. <laughs> Fighting words. By the way, the worst I'll, one is. I'll, def- I'll defend Last Jedi. Episode one is terrible, and The Rise of Skywalker is the second worst. And then we can start a discussion from there. Colonel Kurtz's recordings sound like you're standing next to someone at a fish concert having a conversation with themselves. <laughs> that band is terrible, and their fans are equally. Thank you. I wish Leonardo DiCaprio's penis would give as an intense voiceover read as Martin Sheen does in his film when Leo does his autobiography audiobook. When Barbara Fowley turned 24, she was sent out like a deadbeat dad going out for cigarettes one last time. I think I captured the tone. No, you worked for it, and I think you got there. I think so. I'll get it there in the next one if I didn't get there then. <laughs> Lawrence Fishburne is the same age in this film as his daughter was when she started porn. Oof. Zing. Is Buddy, it, I, I, come, it, I, come these it, argu- I come these arguments heavy. You know what they say? Isn't it, is it a zing, though? 
Yes. I okay. Think so. Zing okay. on zing. It's a, it's a nice exclamation point here because we're getting into the good stuff. I would love to see Race to Canis in boot camp. I would pay for that. I think if I had to pick one person in a film that he would resemble, it would be Jake Busey in Starship Troopers. <laughs> There's no argument coming from this side whatsoever. Especially the neon violin. <laughs> the space violin. Can you- <laughs> Can you imagine being in war now and having a camera crew talking to your soldiers? They'd be breaking that fourth wall and dropping their socials and YouTube channels while bullets whiz overhead. Go to the sacredcow.com. <laughs> it does. It does add a new meaning to TikTok boom. Oh, look at you. There's that train. Never late. Funny how they use playing cards in this film for the bad guys. And they use playing cards for Al Qaeda 30 years later or so. 30 years and change later. The flight of the Valkyrie scene is fucking great. I mean, that is just 101 and just cinematic, always ingrained in your mind moments. I think I'll put that song on tape before I jump on the wife. That's a new little playlist we'll add. And I wrote down what ICP song would Ray play while piloting a helicopter to let him know he's coming. So, (laughs) look, you know, you know me very, very well. I know, I do. (laughs) God damn it, I love Robert Duvall almost as much as I love Gunnery Sergeant Hartman in Full Metal Jacket. Almost. Almost. Mm, this is, uh, he's Ar- Ar- Arlie Ermy destroyed. They're both, they're both they're both so Arlie Ermy like, had way more screen time. That's why I give him did. the nod. Well, I like Arlie Ermy, but Arlie Ermy would have ducked. That's all I'm gonna say. A jelly donut. No. The cinematography in this film is out. Fucking standing. Battle scenes, night scenes in the jungle, meeting up with Brando in the end, A+. plus. This is the mantelpiece if you're going to film school for that. What a racket being that guy who gets contraband to prisoners in jail or soldiers in the army. That would be my role if I was in the armed forces. That or bookmaker for sports. Susie Q and those Playboy gals sure don't hold a candle to Miss July 89 from Under Siege, that's for sure. Speaking of, you have to wonder how many of those models that did do USO shows were stormed by horny soldiers. They must have had their own Secret Service detail when going to Kandahar and the likes of. I will say for a movie that has a lot of disturbing stuff in it, that USO scene... Uh, and just trying to get the girls back on the helicopter was the most upsetting yeah. part of the entire movie. I'm just, leave them alone. Two dudes hanging from the helicopter as it's, you know, 50, 100 feet in the air. No biggie. The scene where they boarded the fishing boat was quite powerful. Punctuating that with me saying at least three times, please don't kill the dog. Please don't kill the dog. <laughs> The supporting characters on this boat are solid. The surfer, the by-the-book captain, the kid from the hood, the regular dude, all mix perfectly with Shane's stoic persona and dedication to the mission. The characters they run along with, sorry, the characters they run into along the journey are also solid. Which now brings me to my next question for you boys. Where does one beat off or shit on a patrol boat? Proving yet again the armed life forces were never for me. Privacy. The answer is, there is no shame between bros on a swift boat. Mm -hmm. Is that what you said during the Merchant Marines time? Every chance I got. (laughs) I fully expected a Blair Witch-esque tantrum. What do you mean you threw away the map? Parallel, when the captain asked Sheen, what do you mean you don't know where we're going? 
And then snot coming down his face while doing that as an extreme close up. Okay. And, and can, at the end, at the end, Colonel Kurtz is just standing in the, in the corner. corner. <laughs> yeah, that would have been incredible. Boy, I completely forgot Dennis Hopper was in this film. I, too, have not seen this film since I saw this in college. I might have caught it on cable 10, 15 years ago, but I completely forgot Hopper was in this. I would love to see a drug-induced, well, just call it a Tuesday, Dennis Hopper take on a Tuesday afternoon Charlie Sheen. That is a celebrity death match we were owed but never got. Mm -hmm. Dennis Hopper is someone you would have to have a conversation with in real life, but after four minutes, you're eyeballing the nearest exits. Yeah, he's one of those guys that you feel like you'd want to talk to, and mm-hmm. then as soon as the conversation got going, you would think to yourself, what have I done? So it's him, it's Gary Busey on that Mount Rushmore, and I'll think of two more by the end of the show. Uh, obviously, um, Too Dope and Violent J from the Insane Clown Posse. <laughs> The only thing missing from this scene where Hopper is talking to Sheen while he's behind the bamboo in the bamboo prison is a subway car and people averting their glances and turning up the phone on their the volume on their phones playing music. <laughs> it's a New York joke, folks. Thank you. I would think I would appreciate the final scenes with Sheen and Brando more if I was beaked up on ayahuasca. This is top shelf, high caliber acting going on in this final scene between Sheen and Brando, but I got bored of it. He, we, we get it. He's crazy. He rambles. Let's move on. The last 20, the last 20 minutes of this film dragged. It dragged for me. I didn't feel like that length of this film paid off for that long. I'm sorry, the length of that scene paid off. I get it. You can't shortchange this, but it still, it went on too liking for my, it went too long for my liking is my point. The first half of Full Metal Jacket is the most entertaining war film I've seen, but this film is overall better because once Private Pyle kills himself in Full Metal Jacket and Gunnery Sergeant Hartman, that film loses all steam. The Tubo coup part, that's great. This film picks up a solid head of steam and doesn't let that vice grip hold on your balls go until the last aforementioned 20 minutes for me. This is a great film. This is a classic film. It needs to continue to be taught in classes. Duvall is a goddamn tour de force. I wish we got more of him. Maybe the director's cut, but I didn't feel like investing another 45 minutes of this film. This does not pass the remote test for me. I need to be in this film from... So, by the way, John, the remote test is if you happen to stumble upon it at any point in cable, on the cable... You drop the remote and go, well, I know what I'm doing yeah. for the next hour or whatever plus. I need to be on this film from jump. And unless Duvall's on, then I can easily you know get right on. I don't see myself watching this again for the foreseeable future. This is enough. I've had a fill for quite some time. I really liked it. I don't love it as much as my co-host does. I don't feel it's as perfect as people think it is, but I understand why they do. Again, I may I think I'm in the minority, but that ending definitely drags so much for me. I have to knock it down a point because of that. This film is a seven out of ten for me. Solid. But oh, seven, hey. you're barely ahead of our gutter. I'm very, solid. I'm very surprised he said six. That's why I was like, I'm wow. seven. I knew you would love it, Ray, but I, I was going to give like an I eight. I mean, look, I, everybody loves it according to the aggregation sites. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's not like I'm attacking an underdog. <laughs> like everybody res- universally loves it. I find it interesting that you gave it a seven uh, and that it sounds like that final you know, the back end of the third act was just too much for you. 
dragged. It really, yeah. really dragged. And I, I think that's a fair statement. I, I agree with you. You know, when you said it out loud, it's like, you know what? That when he's when they when he, they've already got him and he's tied up, and then there's the head, and then they put him in a different prison cell. You're right. A lot of that could have just been cut out. Uh, not necessary, but not a lot of it. We got I, we I, got I'm all all the all the all the exposition was given to us via those cassette recordings. If we didn't have that, then by all means, that would have made all the perfect sense. But we got enough. We got we got we got the perfect amount of exposition about his whole character and why he's batshit and why he's going after him in those recordings. I didn't need a five minute and then a, you know kill him after that. I needed I didn't need thirty minutes, fifteen minutes, split the baby, and I would have been cool with that. I also don't agree that it had steam until those last 20 minutes. I really, that's this, rewatching it, that Valkyrie scene is such a jolt of energy. Uh, but everything after that, there are moments, you know, the USO show being one of them, but it, it just, it meanders for me. Um, I love, I love the journey. I love the journey all the way I down. The I love, I love the, the, the boat, the boat characters getting killed off one by one with uh, the attacks. I thought that was fantastic. But I think in that end, no, thank you. Let's see what those PBS watching assholes thought of this film. Critics, five-star reviews. 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 The performances in this film are very strong. Martin Sheen is very good in the film. He plays things pretty close to the vest, but the voiceover gives us a, gives us a clear view into his thinking, fears, and insecurities. Okay. Yes. Yep, sure. <laughs> it was made through a combination of fear and determination, ending with an experience that is frightening, thought-provoking, and brilliant. All right. John DeVore. This monumental apocalypse of napalm and helicopters ends up being a total spectacle of war rarely achieved in film. Mm-hmm. There's what not a lot of opinion in these. It's just more no. of just like, this is what it is. Yes. Dirt is brown, water is wet, yeah. wet and the lions stink. We know. These are all common. The pictures allies. move and sound happens behind <laughs> it. Five stars. Coppola's is vivid as an LSD trip takes on the madness of war in a one-of-a-kind film. A masterpiece, oh, punnery, held together by sheer audacity and imagination. Okay. Critics, one-star reviews. Critics, one-star Critics, one-star reviews. Coppola said he wanted to get to the moral issues that are behind all wars, but I think he has done no more than demonstrate the obvious that in Vietnam, we fought a bad war. Here, here. This says absolutely nothing to me, that review. I mean, it's exactly what I would... there's no commentary. It's not about the Vietnam War. They just exploit it. They exploit right. the iconography of the war, mm-hmm. and they don't make any commentary of it. And that was the defining event of of life in the 70s. But this is his journey. It wasn't a portrait of the war. It was a story of Kurtz. It was a sternal of Kilgore. It goes back to one of your oh, yeah. fans' questions oh, yeah. about the Congo, that it doesn't matter where he sets it then. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in 1979, it's like, you know, he made a movie about 9-11, uh, eight years later, and didn't even really comment on 9-11. Oh, and wow. then, I thought you were going to say a movie about 9-11 in 1979. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been a very different movie. And again, but starring still Nicolas Cage as still. World Trade Center. Yeah. Next one, it's the cumulative effect generated by mixing richly portentous imagery with absurdly portentous prose, starkly portentous sound, and flatulently portentous music. 
I think, uh, unfortunately, Portentious is the pilot who died assaulting the Death Star in A New Hope. I thought Portentious was the guy who <laughs> crucified Jesus. Yeah, I was going to say Punches Pilot. That's cute. Pork it! Pork Pork And I love Ray bringing up good old Porkins on his final run. I got you. You know, you're going to have an overweight character. You're calling Porkins. That is, come on. Come on, George. Come on. How do you get in that X-Wing? A lot of butter and Pam? Amazon five-star reviews. Amazon five-star reviews. Amazon five-star reviews. Amazon five-star reviews. Gutting power. I am a Vietnam vet, 1st Marine Division 6566. I had to watch this film because I was watching another war film, and it seemed so out of touch. I still see a VA shrink even today. Nam left a big impression on me. This film let me feel the intensity of the dark side, of which it actually was very comforting in a sense. I've been told by different therapists to bring it all to surface so I could deal with it, but while it is buried so deep that no one should else to hear about what the dead and dying have to say, they would not understand. I am actually writing this for me, and if you care to disbelieve, then so be it. Signed, former NBC anchor Brian Williams. I, you know, he says he went to therapy. I feel like that review was his therapy. I was just saying, someone saved a copay, but I forgot the VA is free. Hmm. Next one. She wanted movie. I got her movie. Oh, a caveman review. I was going to say, fire burn. <laughs> if you're someone born after 2000, and you've never seen one of the greatest films of all time, put down your iPhone for three hours and watch. Oh, that is, I got to tell you. That might be the perfect film. <laughs> That's incredible. Is that in the New Yorker? Because it should be. Yeah. Uh, I would only say that uh, uh, if the if that person had gone on for a second paragraph, there is a about 100% chance they would use the word woke somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and his handle be whatever boomer 04. <laughs> Coppola gives us war, ego, jealousy, lust, lust, insanity, and a mission for the American army as directed by the CIA. If this film unnerves you, it is because you still have a conscious. Wow. Signed, Jiminy Cricket? No. <laughs> I bought this for my husband, and he liked it. Unlike her souffle, I bet. Ah, ah. I like the actors and this particular film. You know what? That's a wholesome five-star review for Apocalypse <laughs> Now. They did a good job. I like the drive through reviews. Quite simply, the best war movie made ever period wow that's been said many times many ways amazon one star reviews amazon one star reviews it's time for amazon one star reviews amazon one star reviews by the way i'm gonna go back for one second the critics one star reviews only two of them on Rotten Tomatoes. I was like, I was surprised you found a second one. Those are the only two they had. Amazon one-star reviews. I tried to watch this movie a few times and gave up not too far in. This time, I watched it all the way through. Good for you. I am not sure it kept me watching other than the fact that this was supposed to be a classic. Turns out it was a classic. A classic waste of my time. <laughs> hey. This oh. film was not worth the one-star I gave it. They had me in the first half. I'm not going to lie. I don't like the fact that I am paying for Prime Video and still have to pay for old movies. Not right. Uh, Absolutely. 
Yeah, I agree with that one star review. I really never understand why this movie became as popular as it was. It's one of the most boring and uninteresting movies I've ever seen. The intro is strong, then it devolves into an into an hour upon hour monologue as as Martin Sheen rides a PBR and comes across the underwhelming end of the movie. Signed, Sergeant Slaughter. <laughs> well, if it was Sergeant Slaughter, you'd have to have shouted the entire review, please. <laughs> and that's an order. That's how <laughs> oh, you would have ended it. Yes, sir. Dumb move on my part is it is ridiculously melodramatic and pretentious, and subtlety seems a word that is not in Coppola's vocabulary. Had I realized that I would suffer Dennis Hopper once again, imitating a psycho and praising Marlon Brando's character to the skies, despite the lack of evidence that any praise was warranted, I would have not wasted my time. Had I realized Brando would not be reading aloud, not reciting, as Hopper's character claimed, just a point of accuracy, given that either one is equally stupid... End of the parentheses. T.S. Eliot's poetry and seeing the broken re- record with the oh the horror, I would have recognized it immediately as pretentious, pretentious tripe. I think Dennis Hopper stole uh, uh, his girlfriend at some point in college. That's what I think. <sighs> if you were born after, uh, sorry, if you were born after 1991, like me, do not watch this. I purchased. To purchase this film to catch up on the classics I missed before I was born, but this movie is too painful to watch. Signed, Sofia Coppola. <laughs> this movie should have been cut in half. It's akin to watching a Dragon Ball Z episode where they take five minutes or sometimes an entire episode to shoot one fireball. Get on with it already. Written by Ice Cube. Okay. I will say, I, I really did think I was going to go this entire episode without hearing Apocalypse Now compared to Dragon Ball Z, but I would have lost that bet. Every time. Every time. They Som- get me. Sometimes when you play the long shot, it pays off, Ray. Speaking of Ray Sicanis, <laughs> did- saying that as somebody who, who made at least three separate Insane Clown Posse references <laughs> on this one episode. My over-under was four and a half, and I had the under minus 175, so thank God we clocked in. I got, I got time still. I got time Shit. still. Ray, did John DeVore and his picture of Vigo the Carpathian behind him gut the sacred cow? <laughs> I, I will say I he bought wants- that. I bought that at a, at a at a at a a fucking uh, like a street fair in Brooklyn because it had Vigo the Carpathian. You like that? Uh, and I, I, every night, every night, I stand in front of it naked, hoping it will talk to me and become me. All you I need is happened yet. All, all you need is some pink slime, and you'll have a happier day. <laughs> Uh, I I hope that uh, you turn this into one of the social media videos because there is nothing better than a visual joke on a podcast. I will. This definitely makes a cut. (laughs) Racing kid is that John DeVore got the sacred cow. I will say he brought some points that I had not considered and and definitely intellectual points. Uh, That being said, in my (laughs) mind, after watching it, I felt better about this movie than I felt when I'd seen it so many years ago. And after the gutting, I did not feel swayed a lot. He did give me some things to think about. But overall, I'm sorry. In my mind, this did not gut the sacred cow. This did not. I co-signed that. And Ray, it's so funny you say that because not even an hour and change ago, my wife said, oh, Apocalypse Now, what did you think on rewatch? I go, this is the first time in this podcast history where after I watch a film, I go, I like it better than I originally saw it. That which is an absolute shocker that that was the case. John DeVore, you've been a pleasure. You've been a daisy, Have as I? Val Kilmer. Yeah, uh-huh. Absolutely. You've been a daisy, as Val Kilmer would say in Tombstone. Why don't you tell the fine folks what you're up to, where we can find you, and all that good jazz? 
Well, you can find me, of course, on Twitter, where I uh, tweet emotionally about uh, pop culture and politics every day, 24-7, at John DeVore. Uh, You can also visit me at my blog uh, that I run over at Medium, medium media.com backslash humongous, spelled like Lord Humongous from uh, Road Warrior. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I write about uh, masculinity, pop culture, movies, TV, and my feelings there. Oh, I just watched Sideways. And someone must have had it some Merlot because I wanted to uh, to bum myself out. Uh, It is a bummer of a movie. I love it desperately. You have to watch that film to wash the taste of Thomas Hayden Church out of your mouth after Spider-Man three. That's for sure. You know what? He had a he could that he could have been. I you know, when watching the last Spider-Man movie, I was really like, could you not get him? Could he not like he he didn't appear. He was just CGI. I was like, could you not get was he busy? Maybe. (laughs) You can't afford the church, man. (laughs) The tithe is too much. Can't can't afford the church. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a tithe. Oh, you said that was good. That that tithe. That's good call, Ray. The uh, wicker baskets made its way to the front, but no one put money in it. Race to Canis. (laughs) How about yourself? What are you up to, pal? Well, you know, you can always find me on the two podcasts. I run the Who Would Win show with the aforementioned James Gapsy, where we debate superhero fights in a fictional setting uh, for comic books, video games, movie characters, etc. Or you can check out Knowing Us Half the Podcast, the G.I. Joe recap show with myself and my two co-hosts, Robert Clark Chan and TV's Gina Ippolito. Uh, break down 80s and 90s cartoons and have a good time with that featuring G.I. Joe, but not always talking about that. And the one thing I will mention as, uh, as of when this episode will drop, I have written, produced, uh, edited, everything else, created a audio drama. It's set in the world of Vampire the Masquerade because I like weird things, as you can probably tell. And we have the first five episodes of reclaimed detroit a vampire the masquerade audio drama they're going to be dropping starting at the end of july and going all the way through august you can find it where you do your podcast or check out me on twitter at almighty ray or check out that show on twitter at vampire detroit i would like to get as many eyes on it as possible because i think it's is irreverent noir it's going to be a little weird a little fun and uh i think it's gonna be a good time for everybody who listens it's, it's a pretty it's a pretty profesh kind of a show so go check it out that would mean the most to me. Well, if it's a vampire story in Detroit, I had better see the likes of Axel Foley, Robocop, and Barry Sanders in that in that fine article if I, that you're in the story that you're writing there, sir. I don't want to promise that all three will be making an appearance at some point, so I won't. Oh, fair enough. KevinGoatee.com for dates and shenanigans. GuttingTheSacredCow.com for all your needs. And merch like the shirt that I'm wearing right now that you can't see in the green screen. GuttingTheSacredCow.com for that. Ray has his Who Would Win shirt. Go stop on their merch shop as well. GuttingTheSacredCow at gmail.com. John, that's been an absolute hoot nanny as, yeah, uh, as the kids say. I'm glad you did. I knew you would. You were, you were very jovial in the email exchanges about trying to pick a film. As soon as you said that one, I go, bingo. Usually it's a lot of back and forth where people try and get me to buy into their bullshit. Like, you know what you should do? How about we watch The English Patient? I go, no one gives a fuck if The English Patient gets their tits taken off. So let's try again. There's a lot of that. Not with John. One and done. I feel, I feel personally attacked by that, uh, that exchange. Did you choose The English Patient, Ray? I would if I could, but then I'd have to actually watch it for the first time. So yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. That's it for now, kids. Thanks again for giving us an hour plus of your time every week. We thoroughly enjoy having you and listening to you all, you guys. And thanks again for popping on the Ask a Gutter. We'll see you soon. Take care. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.